Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host and president of Mission Go. Today our text is taken from the book of 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7, which says that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perish, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. This verse is a great comfort to some of us who are going through trials and tribulations. Maybe we have a health problem. Maybe we have a problem with our spouse or our children, or maybe things aren't going well at work, or maybe some of our relatives are not very pleasant to us. Whatever trials you're facing, they are there because the Lord Jesus has allowed them to come into your life. And there is a blessing because when we go through trials and tribulations, we usually become more open to spiritual things. And we pray and we trust the Lord to help us to get through those difficulties in life. And as we trust Him each day, we see Him work in our life and He's perfecting us and helping us to be more Christ-like, but also He's helping us to be a bigger and a better light as we shine in such a dark place that we find ourselves in. So we have a great privilege of serving Him, whether we're on the mountaintop or whether we're in the valley. God's still in control of our lives because He's promised never to leave us or forsake us, and He's always there in time of need.
This is a radio edition of Global Times. Today we have in our studio Jim and Sarah Ellsmore, who have been longtime missionaries in North America. They've been planting churches in areas where the church is either closed or it's, the congregation is so small they can't support a pastor. Uh, they've been able to go in and rescue these churches and get a gospel message out. Well, Jim, why don't you tell us about your, the ministry you had there in Alaska? Uh, after two years of uh, working as substitute missionaries, I felt the call of God to go to uh, in Cold Bay, Alaska, but there were some things that had to be worked out. We, there was no housing, and so that meant that we would have to uh, uh, would have to purchase a, a mobile home and have it uh, brought in. And of course, the, the devil I know threw all kind of curves at us, so that we had a difficult time getting the mobile home in there. And then uh, the state of Alaska was a very much opposed to my being there as a missionary and to start and continue a church ministry, but to God overruled. And so we started that work there. Along with that, uh, as we got a church started and we did plan it there, but in the process, uh, I heard that there was a defense early warning station and they were all around Alaska at that time because of the, the radar sites because of the Cold War. And so there was about 90 men out there and I made my way out there across the uh, a very muddy road, and God had provided a pickup truck for me that I bought from a contractor. And so I started going out to the site, the Air Force site, and started a Bible study. And uh, of course, uh, as time went on, I got kicked off of it a few times because I wasn't uh, uh, really uh, the personnel. They didn't know anything about me. And, but I did was able to meet in a, a an outbuilding where the kitchen help and all those folks lived who were civilians. But then as time went on, uh, God prevailed in his miraculous way, and uh, I was able to become an auxiliary chaplain, and I was able to, to, uh, to the joy of my heart, to disciple several men uh, from the site, and at least one I know of is, is a full-time preacher. He was a missionary. And the other man that uh, I discipled, of course, he's uh, very active in the church as a deacon, and uh, there were others. But uh, we made some great, uh, some great uh, friends. And then every Sunday night at our mobile home, a uh, home away from home for all the guys because they were there without their families. And so we provided meals, and we got the community involved, and we just had a great time. If we didn't have a guitar player, we sang a cappella. And, uh, and then finally, the, uh, the time came when it was time to move on because the village that I came from, King Cove, they had a full-time pastor, missionary pastor, and uh, he had a heart attack. And so they said, well, Jim, would you come back to uh, King Cove? And so uh, the head chaplain, the chief chaplain of the Air Force was a Southern Baptist and of course, he came out and he had visited a few times and heard me uh, talk about uh, our work. And he said, well, you know, are you getting paid for doing this? And I said, no. He said, well, we're going we're to put you on the payroll and give you a full privilege of the Air Force site. I had uh, and had the chapel services on Monday. And of course, at that time, we had a Christian uh, commander. And he said that he told the officer staff, you all will be at the chapel service that uh, Reverend Ellsmore is having. 
And it just uh, went on and on. It was so many blessings uh, that we had there working with the men. And, and I still have contact with some of these same guys. Uh, and of course, one other blessing I had was even when the guys left, but I was able to keep in contact with them. And so we developed that work. And then of course, Sarah had a lot of illness. We had to leave the field. But in the meantime, uh, God, uh, we were inquiring about uh, the possibility in LR48 of uh, uh, a church planning organization. And of course, uh, I, I was uh, with IFCA for a number of years. And in their magazine, there was just just little tiny advertisement for uh, the uh, American Mission for Opening Churches. At that time, it was called the American Mission for Opening Closed Churches. And later on, we took the closed out because that wasn't what it was about. We weren't just looking at closed churches. And anyway, uh, we came home in 1980 and uh, we met with the board and we were accepted as their missionaries. And of course, uh, uh, we were in uh, Maine was our first assignment. Well, Jim, it's really been exciting to see how the Lord led in Alaska and all the open doors that you had and the great opportunities you had with military plus with the the local folks, and I'm so thankful for that. We'll continue the story next week. Thank you for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour. This month, we're offering The Life of David, which is a tremendous booklet. First of all, it has a timeline of his life. This pamphlet is pretty comprehensive. It's easy to understand, and I was really blessed by it, and it'll help our spiritual life to see how God worked in a man who was after God's own heart, even though he wasn't a perfect man, but how God used him and even used his kingship as a foreshadow of the Lord Jesus Christ coming later in time as the Messiah. And so I encourage you to get a copy of this. You can write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R7A7. Or in the United States, you can write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. And we ask that you continue to pray for this broadcast throughout this next week. Thank you.
Today's message is from Reverend Art Larson and it is centered around the book of Philippians. Printed copies are available upon request. Christianity is not a new leaf. It's a new life. Salvation is not a new start. It's a new heart. A man bought a farm in which was an old pump. When the neighbors saw the new tenant pumping water, they rushed over and warned him the water was poisonous and unsafe for use. The former occupants, they said, father, mother, and all the children had died from drinking that poisoned water. The man thanked them kindly, and then he proceeded to remedy the situation. He mended the wooden platform over the well. He put a new handle on the pump. He fixed a crack on the spout, and then he painted the whole works. Now, we smile at the folly of such a man. Painting the pump was useless. What the man needed was a new well, clean, fresh, pure water. The lesson, though, is apparent. Jesus said to one of the finest, religious, honest, respected men of his day, you must be born again. You see, your pump may look fine and good on the outside, but do you have a new well? Are you clean on the inside? We're going to study that subject today in an unusual passage of Scripture as we continue our studies in the book of Philippians. We've seen in chapter 1 the mastery of Christ, in chapter 2 the mind of Christ, and today we begin a study of chapter 3. We'll entitle it, The Majesty of Christ. You see, He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And when we trust Him as Savior, we become citizens of heaven. How do you get to be a citizen of heaven? Well, Paul says in verses 20 and 21 of Philippians 3, Our citizenship, our conversation or citizenship is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will change our vile body and fashion it like unto his glorious body, according to the power whereby he is able to subdue all things unto himself. You see, he's the king. And in this chapter, we see the majesty of Christ, that Paul was drawn to the Lord Jesus Christ, king of kings for salvation. In verses 1 to 9, he gives his testimony for sanctification or the deepening of his life in verses 10 to 15, and for standards of living as a Christian in verses 16 to 21. But today, we just want to study verses 1, 2, and 3 of this great third chapter. If you have your Bible and can follow along, please do so. If not, listen carefully as I read now Philippians 3, 1 to 3. It's a very unusual portion of Scripture. Listen very closely. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you for me, is indeed not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Paul was in prison when he wrote this, but the whole theme of the book is joy and rejoicing. You see, regardless of what God permits to come our way in his gracious providence, and Paul writing from that awful prison, He could declare rejoice. In fact, he mentions it a number of times. In Christ, we do not live under circumstances as true believers. We are to live above them. Consequently, we can rejoice regardless of surroundings. You see, if Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life, then you are complete in Him, and you are therefore substantially equipped to face any problem or perplexity that may come your way, not because you are strong, but because Christ is lives in you. He is your strength. You are his child. You belong to him. He redeemed you with his precious blood, and he will never leave you nor forsake you, no matter where you are or what circumstance you may be in. You can rejoice in the Lord. And that's what Paul says. He repeats it throughout this book. In fact, 
twice in chapter 4 when he says rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice, verse 4. Rejoicing in the Lord is uh, of absolute importance. It's not just a suggestion. It's not an option for evangelical extroverts. It is required because the Bible clearly teaches, Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, strong Christians are strong because they enjoy the Lord. People who don't enjoy the Lord in their lives are not strong Christians. They don't know anything of His strength. There's no way a mere human can live in this world as if he belongs to the next world without the strength of the Lord. <laughs> My, this world is not our home. We're just a passing through. Our treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. But to live strong here with that joyous hope in mind, you've got to enjoy the Lord and learn to rejoice in the Lord. If not, you will fail in your Christian life and testimony. Now, how do you rejoice in the Lord? Well, there's two principles I'd like to suggest to you. One is trust Him as Lord and think on His love. To submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in your life is to open yourself up completely to His plan, whatever that may be, and uh, to let Him control your life. Uh, the Christian who resents the idea of submission and fights the claim of the Lordship of Christ lives a divided life. There's no joy in a divided life. Therefore, it's necessary to constantly evaluate your life in the light of Christ's control over every area of it. Jesus said, He said, These things have I written unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. John 15, 11. But in verse 10 of John 15, He said, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. What he's saying is you have to be obedient to him. And the area where Jesus is not Lord of your life is the area where there will be only defeat and no joy. So if you're going to rejoice in the Lord, you have to trust him as Lord of all. Make him Lord of every area of your life today, my friend. And then think on his love. That's the second principle. You know that the Lord loves you. He tells you in his word. Do you really enjoy his love? Think of him. Think of his love in the morning when you wake up. Remember him in the daytime when you're getting stressed out and frayed in your nerves. Rejoice in him at night as you go to rest. Enjoy him and you will be stronger as a result. In the same chapter, John 15, Jesus said in verse 9, these remarkable words, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue, or literally, abide in my love. If all you do is ever think about your love for him, which will never be enough, you'll always be ashamed you don't love him more, and you'll be depressed. Rather, think of his love for you. It's unconditional. It's irrevocable. He'll never stop loving you. So if you're in the office, in the school, maybe you're home alone, and there are times you just feel so down, remember, He loves you, and the Bible says He's for you, and if God be for us, who can be against us? I love that little chorus. Often I sing it. It's great theology. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to Him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, 
Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. What a word of wisdom, then, from this great Apostle Paul. But then he gives a word of warning. Now, this is not easy to understand uh, for us today, nor is Paul being in any way uh, uh, prejudiced when he uses words dogs and evil workers and concision. He's just speaking about the, the whole matter of the problems that he's warning people against. And he says in verse 1 that he's doing it again. He says, uh, to write the same things to you, to me indeed is not grievous for you, it's safe. Little boy was asked about his new Sunday school teacher, and he said, I, I, I like her, but she's very forgetful. The parents said, why? He said, well, every Sunday when we, when we go to church and sit in her Sunday school class, she always asks us what last week's lesson was about. <laughs> well, Paul is saying, I'm going to write again. I'm going to warn you again. It's safe for you, for me to warn you. It, it's not tedious for me to do it. I need to do it because there are dogs and evil workers and those of the concision who are out there, who are ready to lead you astray. And so I need to warn you, who is Paul talking about? What group was he talking about? Well, certainly Paul loved the Jewish people. The Lord Jesus Christ, of course, was a Jew and died for our sins. He was the Messiah, the long-promised one. And uh, uh, like Paul, every sincere believer in Jesus Christ will have a heartfelt affection and respect for every Jew. Paul loved his countrymen. He was even willing to lose his own salvation if they could be saved. Read Romans chapter 9, verses 1 to 3. His prayer for them, Romans chapter 10, verses 1 through 4, was that they might be saved. But Paul is not talking about Jews as such here. Paul is speaking about those who had become believers in Christ and were now Jewish Christians who had made a profession of Christ but proposed to mix legalism or religion together with the grace of God. You see, you have to understand something of the background of the, of the whole Bible in this matter, and so let me remind you very quickly as to what Paul is talking about when he says, beware, beware of dogs, evil workers, concision. You see, in the first seven chapters of Acts, the gospel came only to Jewish believers, and uh, there were Gentiles, but they were Jewish proselytes. But in Acts chapter 10, Peter was called to go to the Gentiles, and this created an uproar. And he was called on the carpet to explain his activities in Acts chapter 11. And then uh, when they realized that uh, God was going to also take the gospel to the Gentiles, of course, Jesus had said, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. It's the power of God, Paul says in Romans 1.16, to the Jew first, but also to the Gentiles. And in Acts 13, Paul and Barnabas was sent out by the Holy Spirit to minister specifically to the Gentiles. It didn't take long for strict Jewish believers in Christ to oppose Paul's ministry, and there was a big conference at Antioch, and uh, Paul's ministry was, was vindicated to the Gentiles. But these Jewish believers did not take that as a final word. They dogged him, they followed him wherever he went, they tried to steal his converts and his churches, and they tried to teach the fact that you had to become a Jew first and be circumcised, all this legalism in order to become a Christian next. And so Paul calls them dogs. Like dogs, they were snapping at his heels and following him from place to place, barking their false doctrines. They were troublemakers and carriers of, of a dangerous infection. They were also evil workers because they taught that people were saved by faith plus good works, especially the works of the law. 
And the Bible teaches that we're saved by grace through faith plus nothing. So Paul says, watch out for these evil workers. May I tell you today, watch out for them today. There are people who will tell you, you can work your way to heaven and everybody tries to be good and we all get there. That is wrong. That's not in the scriptures. Then he speaks of them as the concision or mutilation. That is, they, they, they tore to shreds the true uh, preaching of the gospel. This is Paul's warning. But last of all, in these last couple of minutes, let me say something about his witness. And then in our next study, we'll look at his witness expanded in the uh, next number of verses. But Paul says, we are of the circumcision which worship God in spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. He's simply saying that we are the true circumcision of God. We've been cut off from the old life, and we are now uh, enjoying the new life that is in Jesus Christ, and we worship God in the spirit. Jesus taught that in John chapter 4 when he said, they that worship the Father must worship him in spirit and in truth. And God actually seeks such to worship him. He was telling the woman at the well this, and then he said, God is spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. That's why to truly worship God, you must be born of the spirit. And as the spirit indwells you and interprets the truth of God's word, then you can worship him in spirit. And you also boast in Jesus Christ. You glory in Christ. You, re, you, you, you rejoice in Christ and boast in his work, his, his sacrificial uh, sacrifice on the cross for you, the joy of salvation in him, his resurrection, his intercession is coming back. Oh, you rejoice in Christ. You have no confidence in the flesh. You don't trust in the flesh. The Bible says, by grace you're saved, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Yes, Christianity is not a new leaf. It's a new life. It's not a new start only. It's a new heart. Don't paint the pump, my friend. Trust Jesus Christ and beware of any doctrine that adds to the simplicity of the gospel. But learn to rejoice in the Lord. You'll be strong if you do. God bless you. I trust that the Lord blessed you as you listen to God's Word, and I trust that throughout this week you'll be able to apply these biblical truths to your own life. Here at uh, Canada's National Bible Hour, we're really concerned about people growing in their faith, but also those who may not know Jesus personally. And of course, the Gospel is very clear that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God, which means that God's a holy God, He's a perfect God, He's a pure God, and He can't be in the presence of sin. Of course, we're all sinners. Each day, each one of us commits sin. And so that would disqualify us from being in God's presence. But God made a way. He sent the best gift that he had. Jesus Christ, the Son, was God, but he became man and lived a sinless life with the purpose of going to the cross. And on the cross, he bore our sins in his own body as he hung on the tree. He took our place. He took the hell that we deserve, the punishment that we deserve for each of our sins. He, he paid for on that cross. And he died and he rose again on the third day and he's alive today. The Bible says that we those who receive him become the children of God. The verse that I was saved on was Acts 16:31, which says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. As a young boy of 12, I received Christ as my Savior and became a believer. And God has directed my life from that time forward. And I ask that you would do the same thing. If you would humble yourself, confess your sin, and ask Jesus to come into your life, he will do that. And he'll make you a new creature according to the word of God. Don't forget to order your copy of The Life of David. You can write to Kaznan. National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R787, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231, or you can get past broadcasts 
or listen to this one again on the web at www.missiongo.org. Pray for us, and if you want a copy of The Life of David, please write and we'll send you a free copy. May the good Lord bless you throughout this week. Oh,